Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz from Walking Dead Now. I want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. If you're joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. And if you haven't already done so, please visit our YouTube channel, which is called Walking Dead Now. Please go ahead and subscribe if you have yet to do so. And if you're there right now, it'd be highly appreciated if you guys can go ahead and hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. So how's everyone doing tonight on this Monday, November 2nd? What did you guys think of yesterday's episodes of Fear the Walking Dead and uh, The Walking Dead World Beyond? Uh, Fear the Walking Dead is just continuing this trend of a an amazing season six. It is just keeps getting better and better. And we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, just a little scheduling reminder, guys. Tomorrow is election day here in the United States. Uh, there will not be an episode of Dead Talk Live tomorrow. Uh, if all of our uh, U.S. residents living here in the United States, if you're eligible to vote, I definitely encourage you and hope that you do go out tomorrow and cast your ballot. It's very important. Uh, everyone's vote counts. And I hope everyone watching who is eligible goes out and votes tomorrow. So there won't be a Dead Talk Live on tomorrow. We'll be back on the air again on Wednesday. And also another reminder that on November 10th, uh, which is just eight days away, we are going to have special guest Zoe Coletti, who plays Virginia's sister, Dakota, on Fear the Walking Dead. She's going to be our live guest here on Dead Talk Live. Again, that is November 10th. It's a Tuesday, starting at 9.30 p.m. So let me say hello to some of you guys that are in the room here with us. I want to say hello to Khaleesi. Cece Weezy is joining us. Colette is with us on Facebook all the way from England. Thank you for staying up late, Colette. Bree Nicole is with us on Facebook as well. Skippy TV, Lynn Montenegro. Welcome to all you guys. Ogden is also with us. Uh, on the Instagram side, we have uh, Yoda who's joining us. We have Smoochie. Marie is moderating on Instagram. Jaden2907 is with us. So hello to everyone. Welcome to the show. Today we are going to be reviewing yesterday's episodes of Fear the Walking Dead, episode four of season six, as well as episode five of The Walking Dead World Beyond. It is halfway done. Season one of World Beyond it is halfway done. We uh, were introduced to a new character at the end of World Beyond. So uh, based on the trailer that we got at the end of yesterday's episode, they go out and try to help this stranger uh, because Iris insists on helping him. So we don't know if he's a friend, a foe, is it a trap, is it not a trap? Are we about to be introduced to a lot more new characters? They just crossed the Mississippi River on their trek from Omaha, Nebraska to New York State. Uh, it looks like Felix and um, Huck's plan to turn them around did not come to pass. 
which uh, kind of surprised me in a way because now I'm, I'm wondering if they are ever going to find out what happened to their colony at Omaha and how the CRM decimated their home. Uh, I think they will find out one way or another. How? I don't know. My guess before yesterday's episode was that they were going to turn around. Uh, that Felix and Huck would convince them to turn around. They would go back, see what the CRM did to their friends, family, and their entire home. And that would just fuel their fire even more. It would solidify their suspicions of what they have uh, in regards to the CRM. But it's going to go a different route. And I'm very excited to see which way they're going to go and how they're going to figure it out. And speaking of World Beyond, did you guys notice the look on Hope's face last night when uh, she saw the picture of Elliot's mom? Ah, I was I was watching it as you guys know. I was I watch all the Walking Dead shows with my son, and when Elliot opened up his notebook and that picture was right there, and Hope was just staring at Elliot, I go to my son. Oh my God, here it is. This is gonna happen. She's gonna see it. She's going to see it, and the look on her face uh, was priceless. That That is the woman that she inadvertently shot uh, when she was a young girl because that woman shot her mom, and the look on her face was just priceless. Short-lived, though, because that's when the stranger showed up, but now Hope uh, has a dilemma. She's got uh, more stuff on her conscience that she has to deal with, that not only the fact that she inadvertently shot a woman when she was a kid, but that woman is Elliot's mother. Uh, That was a big twist that we saw in the first episode uh, of World Beyond, and I'm just really curious how it's going to come to pass on when is Hope, if Hope is going to tell Elliot what transpired when the sky fell, which is what they refer to the night when the zombie apocalypse and the world just went to hell that night. So a lot of stuff to look forward to in regards to that. Uh, CC Wheezy on on YouTube writes, will help tell Elton about his mom. Singer Chick writes, you could see her heart sink. Yep, absolutely. Khaleesi writes, especially him saying he hopes she's still out there. That's right. Elliot said that he knows that the odds are astronomically against it, but he does hope that his mom might still be out there somewhere. And of course, hope knows that that is just absolutely not the case. So a lot of interesting stuff to look forward to. We're halfway into this season, and we have yet to see the episodes that Michael Cudlitz, Abraham from The Walking Dead, has directed. If you guys remember when Michael Cudlitz was a guest on our show back in uh, May of this year, he told us uh, he directed like three episodes of World Beyond. So obviously now those three episodes, they're going to be three out of the last five And what we heard from the people that have worked with Michael, with Michael being behind the camera, he's an absolute genius behind the camera. And as we all know, he's a genius in front of the camera. 
and I am really psyched to see the episodes that Michael Cudlitz directed of World Beyond. It's going to be sometime in the next five episodes. Three out of the next five episodes are going to be have been directed by Michael Cudlitz. You try to go and see on IMDb, maybe if they list it, but they don't. They're very secretive up until the weekend that the show is going to air. That information is kept really tight-lipped on who directed that episode coming up. So maybe it's next week's. Maybe he directed the final three episodes. Maybe he directed episodes 8, 9, and 10 of World Beyond. Either way, I'm looking forward to that. Daniel is with us on YouTube saying Fear has had an amazing season so far. But the one thing I can't stand is our characters being separated all the time. Well, that's the big thing about Fear this season. That's the big change that they have made that we knew was going to happen before the season even ever started. It's an anthology per episode type season. Every episode is a movie, sort. it's sort of like a movie within itself. Uh, and we are going to not see the characters together. With the exception of Morgan, who has been a, at least a little bit in every episode, uh, each episode has focused on two, one or two main characters. Uh, and this week, we got to see what's going on with John Dory. And I was just absolutely fascinated with uh, the story we got to hear from John. I was really surprised when uh, he's reading back the letters that he's writing June on how he has started to fall for Virginia's, you know, making the world a better place line. Uh, he was really starting to buy into that. And it's not that hard of a stretch of the imagination. Uh, as we all know, the character of John Dory, he wants to see the good in everyone. Uh, that's just the kind of person he is. That's the character that, I mean, that's just a huge part of what makes him such a lovable character. And this episode that we got yesterday was his awakening to what Virginia is really all about. And Strand played a big part of yesterday's episode. He has become fully indoctrinated into Virginia's uh, inner circle, if you want to call it that. His character, because he's very used to playing that role, uh, because we all know what Victor Strand was before the apocalypse, during, and in the early parts. He was very selfish, only cared about himself. It wasn't until seasons four and five that he started to turn things around. And But Victor Strand, who is one of the most fascinating characters on Fear of the Walking Dead, realizes the person he has to become if they are ever going to defeat Virginia. I don't even know if defeating Virginia is even on his mind currently. He is living the good life, being a part of her inner circle. Uh, John and Strand came to blows at the end of it. John did get the better uh, part of uh, Victor, 
And it was, uh, you know, Rabbi Jacob that had a big role in yesterday's episode as well. uh, Rabbi Jacob, who's played by Peter Jacobson, is also going to be an upcoming guest of ours here sometime very soon. We don't have a date yet confirmed, but Rabbi Jacob is going to be a guest right here on Dead Talk Live. We're just waiting on a final confirmation on the date. Peter Jacobson is huge in the um, in Hollywood. He, just to give you an example, uh, Peter Jacobson, who plays Rabbi, Rabbi Jacob, he was like one of the main cast members in a very big popular show called House uh, for the better half of over four seasons. Uh, major character, big time Hollywood star, He has been on so much stuff, excellent actor, and I am just thrilled that he is going to be a guest of ours very soon. I have a lot of questions for him, not only in regards to Fear of the Walking Dead, but in regard, in a lot of ways, uh, a lot of questions to a lot of his past projects, of course, being House, House being one of them. I was a big fan of House when it was on TV. So, very much looking forward to having Peter Jacobson on the show. So, as part of our review, guys, as we do every Monday after a Sunday when there's a Walking Dead show on, we're going to read some article pieces. We're going to you know, throw in our own opinions, whether we agree, disagree with what they're saying. So, let's go ahead and get started with the first one. And this one is called Fear the Walking Dead Bosses break down the latest episode's big twist, okay? The showrunners of Fear the Walking Dead have discussed the events of the latest episode as the focus turned to John Dory. Season 6, Episode 4, titled The Key, and let me just stop right there. That key, I have absolutely no theory whatsoever on what that key is for. If you guys have a theory out there on what that key could possibly unlock, please share it with me because I'm trying to rack my brain and think of something of value. It looks like a safe deposit box key, but it could be a key to anything. Uh, But whatever that key is protecting, it's valuable not only to those people that Morgan had to kill at the end of yesterday's episode. They were the same two guys that we saw in the season six premiere, spray painting the end is the beginning on that beached submarine. And we also saw that same saying in last week's episode, episode number three. I have no idea what that key is for, none. I've been racking my brains to trying to come up with a theory what it could possibly be, and I'm coming up completely empty. Uh, Daniel on YouTube writes, it was good to see Rabbi Jacob hope his character lasts until the very end, and who knows, maybe he'll cross paths with Father Gabriel. You know, Peter Jacobson is such an amazing actor. For them to bring him on fear at the end of last season and kill him off soon, uh, I don't think would be a wise move. So I'm really hoping that they keep him on for the long haul and he becomes a regular on Fear the Walking Dead. I really, really hope that happens. 
I want to welcome Gypsy Road, who's joining us on YouTube as well. Singer Chick writes, I think the one that Morgan has is the key to the gate or door that leads into the CRM compound. Okay, that's a that's a theory. Uh, I mean, it could be, but who knows where that compound is? Uh, from what we know so far, nobody outside of the CRM knows where their bases are located. There's three bases supposedly spread across the United States, and we have no idea where they're located. Uh, obviously, they're near somewhere, Texas, because that's where Fear of the Walking Dead is. They're near Omaha. That could be somewhere in between, maybe, maybe Oklahoma. I have no idea where their base is. Welcome to Summer, who's joining us. Also, welcome to Elizabeth, who's joining us on Facebook. On the Instagram side, I want to welcome uh, Al with us. PR is joining us. Uh, Sumyaya is joining us. Welcome to all the people on Instagram. Thank you for joining us tonight. So let's continue with this article. In Season 6, Episode 4, titled The Key, followed John, played by Garrett Dillahunt, as he investigated the mysterious death of Cameron. Unfortunately, it appeared that Virginia, played by Colby Minifee, framed Janice for the crime, and despite John's best effort, Janice decided to provide a false confession. And you want to talk about brutal, the punishment that Virginia laid on Janice, knowing that she was innocent. I mean, this is not a stand-up leader dealing with a legitimate murderer in her community. Uh, Virginia knew that Janice was innocent, but yet she had her, she had her murdered. That's the only word you can call it in such a brutal way, tying her to a tree with a radio blasting to attract all the walkers so she can get eaten alive. I mean, you want to talk about brutal? Virginia, as we get to know Virginia more and more as the episodes progress, she is proving to be as cruel and sadistic as Negan was back in Season 7. Uh, that's, that's the way they're playing her out to be. And who knows, by the end of uh, her time on the show, she may prove to be even more... Uh, sadistic than Negan was on The Walking Dead. Uh, I really am starting to believe that Virginia might be a true psychopath, uh, that she has no remorse, no feelings whatsoever. We know that Negan was not that way. Uh, you never would have guessed it back in Season 7 of The Walking Dead when it comes to Negan or Season 8, but we do know now that he's not a psychopath. He does have feelings, but Virginia, Virginia might be like the reincarnation of the governor, where the governor was an absolute psychopath. Uh, Janice was set to be executed in the morning, but Victor Strand, Coleman Domingo, went behind John's back, moved forward the execution to prevent John from breaking Janice out. John was devastated to find Janice ripped to pieces 
by walkers. Speaking to Entertainment Weekly, show bosses Andrew Shambliss and Ian Goldberg explained that Janice's confession came from a, a desire to protect John. And also you could say the same thing about Strand. His actions to move up the execution was to protect John as well. Because as Rabbi Jacob told uh, John, once you cross that line, once you break Janice out of jail, there is no coming back. All right? You'll be just as much on Virginia's hit list as Morgan is at the moment. Janice is someone who has lived under Virginia for much longer than John has. Chambliss says she lost her brother in an attempt to escape. She knows that Virginia is going to have this rigged. So she is well aware that anything Dory does is just not going to work. It's going to get her hurt. It's going to get Dory hurt. So her deciding to take the fall is really her trying to spare John. Cameron was the one person she had connected to since she lost her brother and he's been taken away from her. So as far as she sees it, she would rather take the blame and die so John can live and have that relationship with June. And that's just the kind of person Janice is. And how many of you guys, there's no doubt that Virginia had Cameron killed. I have no doubt whatsoever. There's no murderer on the loose, um, you know, in Lawton, which is where the community that John is in, as well as Virginia. There's no murderer on the loose. It's Virginia. I don't think she did it by her own hands. She had one of her people kill Cameron, and it was all to set up uh, Janice. So... You know, don't think, guys, that there is a uh, there is a murderer that's yet to be found. That was all orchestrated by Virginia. How many of you guys think that she killed Janice? Not because of, you know, she's tried to escape before, but just for the sheer fact that she was uh, bringing in letters and sending out letters from John to June which Virginia was reading either way. Uh, for me, I think it's personally her just not liking her. She had already tried to escape. She thought she saw her as a threat to her rule, so she had her killed. And uh, she did take a big risk, and maybe it was her way of testing John out as well. He, she was setting her up for the murder, and she really was putting John Dory through the test. And that's when Victor Strand, knowing what Virginia was up to, moved up the execution. Victor did not move up the execution just because he wanted to see Janice die. He really, truly was trying to protect John, uh, as was Rabbi Jacob. Uh, but John was devastated to see Janice go. That's just the kind of person, that's just the kind of character that he is. Uh, singer Chick writes exactly. Khaleesi writes, she definitely had it done. Uh, Lip is giving us smiley love faces on Instagram. Welcome to Instagram, Lip. Hugo is waving at us. Shintz is giving us a big thumbs up. 
Anna is also waving at us on Instagram as well. So let's continue on with this article. Discussing Strand's decision to betray John and guarantee Janice's death, Goldberg commented that the character believes that he's doing the right thing. It goes back to what he says to Alicia in episode uh, two of season six. And the reason he separated himself from her is he basically acknowledged that he was going to have to do things that were, I guess you call them, regrettable. Excuse me. Morally gray, to put it in a nice way. I do think in his mind he believes what happened with Janice was a necessary sacrifice. And whether that's actually true, and whether his ultimate plan will come together as a result of these actions... That's sort of what this season is all about for him, meaning Victor Strand. And Victor is a survivor. He's going to do whatever he needs to do to survive. He does absolutely care about his friends, Alicia, John, June, everyone. And he will do what he needs to do, even though you might call it regrettable, to keep them protected. If that means sacrificing a person like Janice, he will do it. Uh, And Janice was on the same page as Victor in regards to her confession and her execution. Thank you guys for the big love hearts on Instagram. I love those things. Uh, Thank you so much. Keep them coming. Uh, Let's see. Singer Chick on YouTube writes... John told Janice she was the only family that she had there. And that was a very touching moment uh, that she told him. Lindsay Sparks uh, on Facebook writes, Yep, I agree with you, Viz, about Virginia. Yeah, I, you know, she is bordering on the governor-type psychopathy right there. So anyway, here's another review of yesterday's episode. While the first three episodes have been a little uneven, there's no denying it's improved drastically over the last two. Last week's episode had a lot of great character moments, but was dragged down a little by silly uh, contrivances, walkie-talkie overkill, the antibiotics on the roof, that sort of thing. I totally don't agree with that. Uh... All four episodes have been great. If I was to rank them, the season premiere is still my favorite, not by a lot. They're all, all four episodes this season so far have been just freaking amazing. And it's not just me. Fans are loving this show right now. Fans are putting Fear the Walking Dead back into the same category of the heydays of like season five of The Walking Dead. That's how fabulous fear has become. Uh, It goes on to say in the second episode, the clever plan to kill the zombies in the warehouse was made somewhat less clever by a clumsy execution. Don't, Don't see that. But even so, by and large, these episodes have been a remarkable improvement over last season, which, let's face it, isn't a very high bar. So, obviously, whoever writing this article does not think very highly of this show. 
But, you know, I'll give them a shot. I'll read what they have to say. He goes on to say, still, episodes like The Key give me faith that the showrunners have taken criticism of the show's past two seasons to heart. There are still issues, even in a very good episode like this one. It's hard for me to get behind Virginia as a big bad villain. Oh, I totally disagree with that. I think Colby Menefee portrayal of uh, a big bad villain, like they say, is spot on. Spot on. And it's really great to have a, um, a, a real true antagonist on Fear of the Walking Dead and have her be a woman. And Virginia and Colby Menefee are playing it perfectly. Honestly, I just don't really get this group of bad guys. Their motivations remain obscure. The abundance of cowboy hats feels forced. They're in Texas. Uh, I also don't understand why Virginia splits up John Dory and June, or how through so much of this episode, John seems so sure he'll never see June again. Isn't this the same man who spent much of season four tracking her down against all all odds and found her? All that being said, I really like this episode. Mostly that's because Garrett Dillahunt is a terrific actor in this role and has been sorely underutilized since the first half of season four. The episode Laura remains one of the best since the new showrunners took over and was all about Dory and June, played by Jenna Elfman, and their quirky, budding romance. The Key is a very different episode, and it leans on the same thing, Dillahunt's acting chops. This time around, it's a mystery rather than a romance, with Dory playing the role of detective. Yesterday's episode, the way I see it, was John's way of, you know, the writer's way of showing us how John Dory's eyes finally get opened up to what Virginia is all about. Dory, like Strand and Alicia, is stationed in Lawton, the home base of Virginia's clan. He writes letters to June, uh, which he mails secretly via Janice, played by Holy Koran, um, and the laundry lady, sorry, by so, played by Holly. I totally screwed up her name. Sorry, Holly. Uh, Janice, played by Holly, the laundry lady. He tells June that he mostly likes to work, likes uh, helping people, feels that he is serving a purpose. One day he finds a man trapped in barbed wire being eaten by zombies. He wants to investigate the incident in case it wasn't an accident, but Virginia waves him off. And the reason she waves him off is because she is so smart, she knows that he won't let this go. So she waved him off in an effort to seem genuinely surprised when John finds the earring that she planted on the ground, and of course she planted in her backpack to totally frame Janice for the murder of Cameron. The man was a drunk, 
he probably just stumbled and fell. But Dory is persistent and sneaks out to look for clues. He finds an earring near the spot and takes it to Virginia. Virginia continues to say it's nothing to worry about, but when they catch Janice trying to sneak away, she searches her bag and finds the matching earring. Janice insists that it was planted, and even Virginia's little sister, Dakota, tells Dory she thinks her big sister is protecting someone. I just think Janice had him killed. To frame, I'm, I mean, sorry, Virginia had Cameron killed for the sole purpose of getting Janice out of the way. Janice is just a fall guy. She and the victim were planning on running away together. So Dory keeps investigating. He even digs up the bruised corpse, sorry, the buried, the buried corpse of the murdered man after a close call with a couple, couple of walkers who fall into the grave with him, he finds part of what he believes is a bone knife handle. And if you guys remember that scene yesterday, after he digs up the corpse, you could see that he has a clear-cut slice across his throat. That was not done by barbed wire. Uh, it was a clean cut, like somebody came and sliced his throat from behind, and just threw him up against the barbed wire for the walkers to tear him apart. Um, that's what John Dory found. When he brings Victor to take a look at it, the walkers that got into there ate what, it, what was left of the evidence that showed that clear cut, that it was done really... I mean, there's no doubting it. If he fell into barbed wire, and the barbed wire is what cut his throat... It would be this jagged type rough cut. The cut that we saw yesterday, if you look very closely, besides the fact that there's a maggot coming out of it, you'll see that it's a straight line cut, telling us that it was done by a knife. Uh, he employs Strand to help him, and they keep digging, discovering that a knife matched that description, was taken out of the armory, but there's no record of who it was checked out by. Someone is covering their tracks. Dory goes to visit Janice again, even though he's not supposed to. She's been locked up for the murder. As they are talking, Virginia and Strand come into the room. Strand, thinking quickly, says, John, I see you got my message. Thanks for meeting us here. We'll need witnesses. Then Janice confesses to the murder. It's a clearly a BS confession, but she does it anyway, even knowing she's condemning herself in the process. We learn later that she and Strand worked it out as a way to save Dory from suffering the same fate. So we did a, an episode, when was it, Saturday, in regards to people on the walking dead who have sacrificed themselves in order to save someone else. And yesterday's episode of uh, Fear is a perfect example of Janice dying a hero. She sacrificed herself. She said it herself. She had nothing else left in this world. 
and she did the one last good thing that she could control, and that is sacrifice herself in order to save John. So for me personally, that absolutely qualifies as a hero's death in the Walking Dead universe. CC Weezy on YouTube writes, I said the same thing. That dog knew danger was coming. That's in response to uh, Khaleesi writing, I hope to see a backstory on how Virginia got to run that place. Benjamin is with us on Facebook. Say, man, I was going to watch The Walking Dead on Netflix and just not coming out yet. Uh, I don't know when it... It was supposed to come out in October. We read that article several months ago that The Walking Dead was supposed to be released in October. October has gone. Uh, uh, it has not yet been released on Netflix. I would really thought it might be released on Halloween. It was not. So there is a delay. I have not read any more news on when in season 10 might be released on Netflix. But knowing how Netflix does their releases, they don't really make any kind of big announcements beforehand. You'll just turn on Netflix one day and it'll be right there. So the best advice I can give you guys if you're waiting to watch season 10 of The Walking Dead on Netflix is just keep checking Netflix every day and hopefully it's coming sometime soon. Lindsay Sparks on Facebook writes, Virginia is such a great villain. Uh, C.C. Wheezy says we got a Rufus sighting. I love that dog. Rufus is such a great dog. And, of course, he's a hound dog, which comes in really handy in the apocalypse. And, of course, he would be a hound dog. It was the bounty hunter's dog that after Morgan killed the bounty hunter, the dog went and lashed himself onto Morgan. And I think that dog is going to do Morgan a lot of good. That dog is going to be a hero uh, throughout this season on The Walking Dead. That's just my opinion. Welcome to Grace on Facebook. So, and Khaleesi writes, yep, I agree. All right, let's continue on with this article. And Virginia makes good on her promise to use Janice as an example. Dory hears music playing in the woods at night and finds zombies feasting on someone. When he kills them and peels them off the body, all he finds are legs and guts. The rest of the poor woman is crawling a small distance away, fully zombified. Sort of a reminiscent of the opening episode of The Walking Dead when Rick sees the crawling top half of a zombie pulling itself across the grass. That's exactly what I thought of too. When I was watching yesterday's episode... And we just saw Janice zombified from the torso up. It really brought me back to uh, the series premiere of The Walking Dead. uh, As to how that lady uh, became to be that way. And there's a whole webisode on the backstory to that zombie as well. So I hope you guys got to watch that. Um, Gypsy Road is making a joke. Says maybe they want my dogs. Anyway, continuing on, Dory is furious. He confronts both the rabbi Jacob and Strand. Strand, it turns out, told Virginia he thought Janice was a flight risk. 
I'm not sure why he would tell her this other than to get into her good graces some more, but he was also clearly working to help Dory. John isn't appeased. He punches Strand in the face hard and a fist fight breaks out. The only reason Dory doesn't grab his gun is because Jacob kicks it out of the way. In the end, Dory is rewarded for his tenacity and commitment to finding the truth, even if the truth was never what Virginia wanted. We also learned that she's been secretly reading his letters and that Janice was the one who provided them to her. You can trust you can't trust anyone these days. Dory's reward, June, who Virginia transfers to Lawton as one of Dory's benefits for becoming a ranger. And June being transferred to Lawton is a lot more than just a reward for John Dory passing Virginia's plan. Uh, she brings in June just so John will think twice before doing anything that will not only endanger himself, but now he has to worry about putting June in danger as well. And as CC Weezy just said on YouTube, it's a way to control John. Absolutely. It's a way to control John, keep him in line, if he decides ever to break ranks with Virginia, uh, you know, June was a message. Virginia getting June transferred to Lawton was a clear signal to John, and I think John understood that. When he saw June show up at his door, you know, you would think he would just be overwhelmed with happiness to be back with his wife. But he saw it exactly for what it was for. It was a message from Virginia saying, watch your step because whatever you do, you're not only putting yourself in danger now, but you're putting your wife in danger as well. So continuing on elsewhere, we have some scenes with Morgan. This is how season six is apparently going to work throughout. We'll have the different groups of the characters in each episode, and then a bit with Morgan in each episode. We already learned that Morgan has been in contact with Daniel, who we know is pretending to have lost his memory, and is feigning the role of Timid Barber to move unseen through Virginia's camps. Daniel is a genius. Uh, the one person you don't have to worry about the one person in the entire Walking Dead universe, as well as Daryl and Carol, that you can absolutely call a survivor, is Daniel Salazar. Played brilliantly by Ruben Blades. Daniel is a survivor. I mean, think of it, guys. Strand shot him in the face. Okay? Strand shot Daniel in the face, and he survived. Um... Anyway, it goes on to say, no sign of Daniel or Alicia during this episode. However, as Alicia has been sent away. Where Alicia has been sent to, we have no idea yet. That's going to come out. Morgan has also encountered Emile LaRue. That's the bounty hunter who previously Mark... Sorry, who previously Mark had a key of some significance that he was supposed to deliver 
to men down near Galveston, Texas. That mission was cut short when Morgan killed Emil, taking the key for himself. In tonight's episode, Morgan is driving with Emil's bloodhound when an SUV crashes into them at the very end of the episode. He gets out and confronts the driver who asks him where Emil is. Another man gets out of the passenger seat and moves behind Morgan. Uh, they want the key. This was puzzling to me at first. Why would they assume Morgan, a total stranger, would know such a thing? But, but it must be because he's driving Emil's truck. They see it with a black man at the wheel, and they likely mistake Morgan for Emil, who they assume has been playing fast and loose with them. When they see him wearing the man's coat, holding his axe, and riding around with his dog, it's a pretty safe assumption that he knows something. One thing leads to another. Morgan ends up killing both men with his axe slash spear. What a kick-ass weapon Morgan has made. That medieval axe on one side, and then his signature uh, stick spear on the other end. He guts the passenger quite literally spilling the man's intestines out with a blow from the axe blade. Then the driver gets him in a headlock, but he manages to fight his way free. That's when the key around his neck dangles out from beneath his, his shirt, and the man sees it. He lunges towards Morgan, and Morgan sticks him with the pointy end. So, that was a great fight scene at the end of yesterday's episode. Morgan wonders out loud uh, what the key out unlocks. I'm curious also, especially since it really can't be a door or normal lock, as you'd imagine there would be some kind of work, a, a workaround like picking the lock or breaking the door down. It's also not a very large key, leading me to think... It's a key that activates something rather than unlocks something. But we shall see. Never thought of that. Uh, activating something? What? I mean, like the nuclear football? I don't think so. Uh, I still think it unlocks something. But they bring up a good point. If it's just a regular lock, why not pick it? Or if you really want what's behind whatever that key is protecting you would find a way to get to it but these guys are willing to kill for whatever that key is protecting we have no idea what it is and now that we're four episodes into fear we have yet to meet the people wearing those white masks that we've seen in the trailers from before season six even started the only, you know, having not seen him yet, we still have no idea what they're about. Uh, Skippy TV uh, is asking, hey, Viz, what's up, Skippy? Uh, welcome to the show. Khaleesi writes, it reminds me of a key where you need to turn two locks at the same time. Yep, I know what you mean. Uh, it could be. Uh, Ragu is with us on Instagram saying, is the world beyond merging with the walking dead? 
as into one show? No, but all three storylines currently going on on all three shows, they do cross. They cross, and the common denominator is the CRM. Besides the fact that Morgan, Dwight, and Sherry now have crossed over from The Walking Dead into Fear, the common denominator going on with all three storylines is the CRM. So, let's see what else is going on. Andrew Valentine, 712 on Instagram, writes, A key to the city, laughing out loud. Uh, Mohamed is giving us a smiley face. Welcome. Uh, Zambika37 is with us. Good to see you again, Zambika. She's uh, giving us a smiley love face. Uh... So welcome to all you guys. Love the floating love hearts on Instagram. Uh, let's see. Skippy wants to know, will Rick return to The Walking Dead? No. No. We're only going by official word. And this has come out from The Walking Dead and from Andrew Lincoln, Lincoln's mouth himself. He's not coming back to The Walking Dead TV show. Rick Grimes is coming back in the Rick Grimes movies. So, no, we will not be seeing Rick Grimes again on The Walking Dead TV show. Uh, The closest thing we'll get to Rick Grimes being back on the TV show is if Andrew Lincoln gets to direct a Walking Dead episode, which he has made clear he's very interested in doing so. So, anyway, let's get on to the World Beyond recap. Uh, We're still getting to know The Walking Dead World World Beyond band of teenagers but despite iris's general warmth and grace hope's rebellion uh, without a cause act and silas's tendency to snap and beat the crap out of random zombies and or people elton is quickly emerging as my personal favorite of the four nicholas Cantu is a confident and uh idiosyncratic actor and he manages to tackle Elton's cartoonier aspects, his science nerd monologues, his obsession with his mom's book, his mustard-colored corduroy suit, and make it make it feel plausible and real. So it's a welcome treat that Madman Across the Water takes a deep dive into Elton's backstory, giving us a glimpse at the events that shaped the brain of this very singular teenager. Unfortunately, these compelling flashbacks are offset by the present-day story, which is built around a thin, internal conflict that the world beyond doesn't manage to sell. Let's start with the bad. Even Cantu can't do much with this episode's incredibly contrived central argument which begins when Hope overhears Felix telling Huck that he still intends to drag the teens back back to the campus colony. When Felix mentions that Elton is on his side, Hope freaks out and starts yelling at everybody. This isn't exactly true, of course. Elton's big betrayal, and betrayal is in quotes, is basically just sitting on the fence and listening as Felix makes his case for returning home, which seems like a fairly reasonable thing to do. And there is a fair amount of hypocrisy that goes weirdly unmentioned here, 
None of the other teens know it, but it wasn't all that long ago that Hope was secretly leaving clues to their path for Felix and Huck to find. Well, you know, Hope addressed that after the way she explained it to Felix last week, not yesterday's, but last week's episode, was when they first left the campus colony, she did have a change of heart. And then as they were continuing to go on, she had a change of heart again and wanted to proceed with uh, Iris's plan to, ju- to go out and try to find their father, who is somewhere in New York State. So we'll see. Uh, fortunately for everyone, including the audience, this easy, easily resolvable conflict is easily resolved. Hope gets mad at Felix for messing with Elton's head. Huck admits the teens might be right about pressing forward after all. And Hope and Felix have a belated heart-to-heart that ends with Felix becoming vulnerable enough to admit that it might be a good idea to track down Leo and Will after all. And that's a great, that was one of my favorite scenes yesterday in World Beyond when Felix is having that conversation with Iris uh, outside of that wooden shack when uh, basically Iris asks Felix if she thinks that their dad is okay. And Felix's response is, is they have to be okay. And he goes on to explain why they have to be okay. And he goes on to explain it's because it was supposed to be Felix that was supposed to go with uh, with Dr. Leo Bennett. But Dr. Leo Bennett asked Felix to stay behind to look after Iris and Hope. And that's why Will took his place. And for Felix, he has to be okay. Because if something did end up happening to Dr. Leo Bennett, he would squarely put the blame on himself. So I love that conversation. That was one of the highlights of that conversation. Sorry, one of the highlights of yesterday's episode was that conversation. Uh, Just moving on to this article because we are starting to run short on time. It goes on to say, fortunately, the episode's actual action is a little more fun. Apart from the arguing, much of Madman Across the Water centers on building a boat, which the gang needs to cross the Mississippi. Even for The Walking Dead, this whole plan requires some suspension of disbelief. Seriously, they build a boat that's sturdy enough to cross the Mississippi River in a single day. That's not that unreasonable to me. The Mississippi River is not that wide. And it runs on nail polish. That, okay, that I agree with. When I saw them, when we saw that box of nail polish early on in the episode, and then you see the camera panning down to the big flammable sign on the box, uh, I knew right away, if they were going to use the nail polish as fuel... You can't control uh, how nail polish burns. So, you know, they, they kept it realistic when they put the nail polish uh, to use it as gas, that fire broke out. So I thought that was great. You know, they made it somewhat realistic because you really cannot control at the rate at which nail polish burns. 
Anyway, all the while, the flashbacks delve into Elton's past. Of course, the show ends with, uh, doesn't end, near the end, before the stranger shows up. As I mentioned earlier in tonight's episode, Hope gets to see the picture of Elton's mom, and bam, she realizes that's the woman that she inadvertently shot in in episode one of this season. And remember, I say inadvertently shot because in the episode when you see young Hope holding the gun, there's a blast behind her uh, that scares her into pulling the trigger. It freaks her out. It makes her jump with her finger on the trigger, and that that scare is what makes her pull the trigger and inadvertently kills Elton's mom. The last thing I want to touch on today is um, is on Fear the Walking Dead, how it's been scoring remarkably shocking well reviews on IMDb. I mean, anybody who's watched the episode, it's no big surprise. Uh, each episode, as I've said, has been amazing. But here are the ratings so far of uh, some of the episodes, okay? Uh, season 6, episode 1, is rated an 8.9 on IMDb. Episode 2 of season 6, which is called Welcome to the Club, is rated an 8.5. 3, which is called Alaska, another 8.5. And then uh, just some of the other highly higher ranked episodes in uh, prior seasons is, let's see, uh, season 3, episode 12 is ranked at an 8.3. Season 4, episode 1 is also ranked at 8.3. And then it goes on, season 2, episode 15, 8.2. But by far, the best uh, ranked episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Now, this is all according to regular viewers and fans. Is uh, season 6, episode 1. It has the highest ratings. 8.9 out of 10 stars. And that's remarkable. And uh, like I said in the beginning of this uh, episode, this season of Fear the Walking Dead is matching up with some of the best seasons of The Walking Dead. Uh, Khaleesi on YouTube writes, The kid Elton broke my heart. And him climbing under that, being claustrophobic. You really do feel for him. And you find out why he's claustrophobic. The night the sky fell, which is how they call the, the beginning of the apocalypse. His father put him in that crate to keep him safe. He stayed in there the whole night. And uh, while gunshots were raining all over the place outside, he gets out of that crate and his, his dad did not really make it past the door or the hallway. He finds his dad shot and dead. He makes it outside, finds a map to the campus colony, and off he goes. So anyway, guys, that hour just flew by. We are out of time for tonight. Remember, tomorrow there will not be a Dead Talk Live episode. It's election night here in the United States, election day here in the United States. Please, if you're eligible to vote and you live in the United States, obviously, please go out, cast your ballot, 
It's important. It counts. I'll be voting. I hope you get you go out and vote as well. I'll be back on the air again on Wednesday. Uh, same time, 9.30 p.m. Visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. See our featured recent episodes. See all of our prior and upcoming guests. Visit us on YouTube. Our channel's name is called Walking Dead Now. Please go ahead and subscribe if you haven't yet done so. If you're there right now, please hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. Until Wednesday night, guys, stay safe. Stay very safe. Vote tomorrow. I'll see you on Wednesday. And until then, always stay walking.